notes on your bulletin or something like that. We're talking about the leadership of of Jesus, leading like Jesus. Um, First Sergeant Gerald Phillips, who he and his wife Antoinette attend here, and uh, he's been teaching his cadets the Army values, our um, uh, ROTC unit here is, a, an, a Van Buren is an Army ROTC unit. I've also worked with the uh, ALMA unit. They are a Navy ROTC unit. And, um, but he's been teaching them values. He's been showing them videos on things. And so what we're going to do today is look at um, the Army values uh, and how Jesus embodies them. We're going to help define them for you. We're going to talk about the mandate that uh, God gives us for leadership and um, what leadership is. And then we'll look at these values. And you've, there's a mnemonic device just called just the word leadership, but we leave out the A and, and the E and the A and the other E, just the L-D-R-S-H-I-P, leadership. Um, that's what living out these values is like. So we want to show how Jesus lives those out. Another reason we chose Army is because that's what Roger and I know. Um, I spent 27 and a half years, uh, actually, if you count my ROTC time, over 30 years. And um, Roger has, uh, if you count his ROTC time, about 20 years um, in the military, in the Army. And so he was an Army Airborne Ranger. I was an artilleryman and then later became a, a chaplain. And so we're going to talk about this today and look at how, just look at how Jesus leads so amazingly and how, how awesome it is to follow him and to let him be the Lord of our life, to be the leader and Lord of our lives. Let's pray. God, I just ask in the next few moments you'd speak in spite of me, that you'd speak through me. God, that you would, um, Lord, have your way. And you'd bring your revelation, you'd bring your, your light, you would bring your truth to us. We'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. That's not just my statement that comes from a Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard was a uh, professor of leadership and ethics at University of Massachusetts. He then wrote a book um, called, a New York Times best-selling book called The One Minute Manager. And he says this about Jesus as a leader. He says, most Christians have more, or Christians have more in Jesus than just a spiritual leader. We have a practical, effective leadership model for all organizations, for all people for all situations. And as a result of this and discovering this, he and with his friend Phil Hodges began a, uh, he actually, when he said these things and when he wrote that book, he was not a Christian. He um, later had his friend Phil Hodges. He said, you know, Ken, we need to have a little talk. He says, I want you to meet me on the beach and we're gonna walk along the beach and I, I wanna share some things with you. And he began to share with Ken. He says, everything you've been teaching Jesus lived out and illustrates perfectly all of these principles of leadership. And I want to challenge you to look at Jesus and his leadership. And when Ken read the uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was so blown away by it. He resigned his um, tenured professorship at the University of Massachusetts, shut down his um, Blanchard uh, leadership uh, consulting agency that he was consulting and making millions with Fortune 500 companies and the military. And he and, and his friend Phil Hodges started a new organization, a ministry called Lead Like Jesus. 
And you can get their emails, you can read his book, Lead Like Jesus. But he, he demonstrates how Jesus is the greatest leader of all times. He says, when I saw how, this, how Jesus took this ragtag group of disciples, 12 really for the most part uneducated guys, and then the 120, and with them led them in such a way for only three years that they then continued for the next 2,000 years what has been the greatest force for good and the greatest, the most impactful organization on, on humanity and upon the planet Earth in the past 2,000 years. I said, he's the greatest leader of all times. And so I'm, we're going to use today some army definitions of what certain leadership values are, and then we're going to look at what some, a little bit of what Ken Blanchard says, but hopefully we want you to see how Jesus is this leader that we want to imitate and we want to be the leader of our lives. And so the mandate um, as well as what leadership is, and then we'll look at these values. Now, I, I laughingly said last service that uh, before this is over with, you're gonna wish that Roger and I were Marines that have just one value boiled down, you know, Semper Fi, or that we would be Air Force with just three values. But So I apologize, you got seven here, but we'll give it to you fairly, fairly quickly. God has a mandate to all human beings to be leaders. He says, I've placed you on the earth and I've put you in charge. I want you to subdue it, rule over it. And that is a, that is a mandate to lead, to influence well, to have a, the stewardship of the earth and the stewardship of humanity. And those that are God's sons and daughters, we're the ones that are to be really the world leaders because we'll lead like Jesus led. It's a tremendous responsibility. We don't need to shrink back from politics. We don't need to shrink back from leadership in, um, in education or in the marketplace or in any other field. We need to be the leaders in all, some people, we've, I've preached on this before, the seven hills of influence or the seven major areas of influence. We need to be on the cutting edge. We need to be in leadership because we will lead and influence like Jesus did. And Jesus has commanded us to lead. He said, um, whoever's gonna be first among you, lead the way I did, be servant of all. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. So he says, go make disciples, make followers of me, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he's calling us to be leaders. He's calling us to influence others to follow Jesus. So what is, what is leadership? Just remember one word, leadership is influence, nothing less nothing more. And the influence that you and I exert on others can be either positive or it can be negative. Ken Blanchard says it's anytime you seek to influence the thinking, behavior, or development of people toward accomplishing a goal in their personal, professional lives, you're taking on the role of a leadership. And the army field manuals on leadership say the same thing. Leadership is influencing people, providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. I, I pray we need more, the church needs more and more um, leaders. That's my heart desire as your pastor is to raise up more and more of you who will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who will exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll, we'll take the calling, the ministry the Lord's given you and run with it and, and multiply the ministry of the Lord. He's calling us to be leaders where in the mission field, the sphere of influence where he's placed it. So that's leadership. It's, it is influence. Now let's look very quickly, the seven 
core values that the army has. It's a mnemonic device, I think I mentioned it, L-D-R-S-H-I-P, leadership, and um, you can kind of remember what the seven are based on that. The first one, the L, is loyalty. Our national motto is in God we trust. One of the things I love about this and and what I spoke to the last service about is that um, we, from our very beginnings, we are a nation founded upon Judeo-Christian ethics, founded on biblical beliefs, founded on biblical values and origins. The very second general order that George Washington signed after the first general order was to establish the Continental Army. The second general order was to establish a chaplain corps to take care of the military. Because he says, if we're gonna ask our service members to, be, to give their lives, their very lives for um, their country, we, they need to have spiritual support. They need to have uh, their pastors there. And so he established the chaplain corps that I've served in for the last 22 and a half years of my 27 years in the military. So that's who we are as a nation. You know what my role was as a chaplain? First and foremost, my role was to protect their freedom of worship. First Amendment right, the freedom of worship. Not freedom from religion, as many of the groups uh, Mikey Weinstein and his, his gang is trying to do and, and is to wipe any religious reference out and to wipe out the, the chaplain corps from the military. Um, but it's freedom of worship. And my number one opportunity, my number one goal was, or actually my goal, my, uh, um, my mandate from the military was to provide opportunity and, and, and ensure that every soldier under uh, the, the command where I served had the opportunity to worship God as their conscience dictated, or to not. And I also protected that right um, as well. So that's, that's the root of our, of our nation, and that's a pretty awesome one that we should be proud of. When um, uh, uh, the communist bloc began to break up, one of, the most, one of the first things we started getting opportunities was I was, in fact, I had just gotten to the U.S., or gotten to the U.S., I had just gotten to Heritage when I was asked to go for nine months to Hungary to help them establish a chaplain corps, because it had been communist before, and... Um, I was like, well, I just got to Heritage. I don't think they'd be very happy if I left for nine months to uh, go help out establish a chaplain corps in the Hungarian military. But it was like one of those things, I was like, dang, if I hadn't have just come here, I'd love doing that. But they were all kinds of calls because they saw what the American military had. They saw the power of, of what the spiritual, living by these spiritual values, what a difference it made in the American military, and they wanted that to be a part of their military as well. And so these values, they go back to 1775. It wasn't until 1970 that they finally codified them, and the Army, I said, came up with, a, with decided to, they narrowed it down to seven, others have boiled it down more. This first one is loyalty. What is loyalty? It's bearing true faith and allegiance. Um, for military members, to, to the Constitution, to the service, to your unit, and to other soldiers. As I've said, this is the motto, the value of the United States Marines. Simplify, which simply means always faithful or always loyal, no matter what, regardless of the cost. In layman terms, loyalty is devotion and faithfulness. Now, it can be to a nation, a cause, a philosophy, country, group, or person. 
Loyalty is something every one of us want to possess and we want to live out. Loyalty to our spouses, loyalty to our children, loyalty, number one, to Jesus, that we'll never turn our back on him, that we'll never turn our back on our family members, we'll never give up on them, we'll never betray them. Absolutely critical for, for us. And Jesus lived this out incredibly. As I was doing a little bit of research for this, I came across this book called Why Loyalty Matters. The subtitle is this. It is the groundbreaking approach to rediscovering happiness through loyalty, meaning and lasting fulfillment in your life and work. And this is what the um, authors say. For decades, we've been told we live in a fast-paced world, a dog-eat-dog world, and that loyalty gets you nowhere. That's what the world tells us. Loyalty gets you nowhere. We should look out for number one. We've been told to succeed. We have to constantly reinvent ourselves, let go of past relationships, move on to greener pastures, and we've been told that all this is good, but it is not good. They're saying all of their research on loyalty, this book is grounded in the most comprehensive study of loyalty ever conducted and what it reveals can change your life. The science is very clear. When it comes to business success, satisfaction in relationships, and even overall happiness, loyalty is essential. Loyalty is essential. Jesus models this amazingly. When we, right after he was baptized and the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, the Bible says that he was, temp he was led into um, the desert where he, by the Holy Spirit, where he fasted for 40 days and when he became hungry again, that um, the devil came to tempt him. And that first temptation was, hey, you're the son of God, turn this bread uh, or turn these stones into bread. In other words, do, use your miraculous powers to meet your own needs. And, and Jesus says, it is written. Every time he went back to loyalty um, to the word of God, loyalty to the character of God, loyalty to the person of God, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. Then the devil said, took him up on the top of the temple. Throw yourself down. The Bible says that... Um, you know, the angels will be given charge over you and they'll protect you lest you even hit your foot on a stone. And, and Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt, you shall not test the Lord your God. He was loyal to the character of God. And then it says that the devil took him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and says, I'll give you all of these if you'll just worship me, if you'll just bow down and worship me. That would have been the, the ultimate of, of, of a traitorous act of betrayal. And he said, so it is written, you shall worship and serve the Lord your God only. Jesus stood firm in loyalty, demonstrating it perfectly. And he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to do the same. Roger's going to talk a moment about duty. Duty, according to the U.S. Army Field Manual, FM uh, 22100, uh, titled Leadership, is simply fulfilling your obligations. Uh, General John Wickham uh, served 30, 37 years in the United States Army. His, his final service was um, as the Chief of Staff of the Army from 1983 to 87, uh, which coincidentally, he, maybe his last act of service was to sign my papers of commissioning. Um, <laughs> General Wickham said, the essence of duty is acting in the absence of orders or directions from others based on an inner sense of what is morally and professionally right. In other words, duty is doing what you know to be right, even without being told, 
even when nobody's watching, even when there's no chance you're going to get caught. Duty is doing what's right. Um, when we were, um, Kathy and I were stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, it just happened to be during the Battle of Mogadishu in Somalia. Uh, you've probably seen the movie Black Hawk Down. It's based on that fight. Um, the aviation support for for the Rangers and the other special operators um, come, is based out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where we were. Uh, CW3, Chief Warrant Officer uh, 3, Michael Durant was the pilot that you saw uh, captured, uh, dragged through the streets and, and held for a while. Um, Michael's wife was a teacher in my son's school. I had just come from Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, headquarters of the 3rd Ranger Battalion, which was the, the Rangers from there, um, I believe it was Bravo Company. So I had several friends that were actually involved in the fight. So we paid attention, say all that to tell you, we paid attention to the news. Every news article that came up, we, we listened to. We, we were paying attention because those were our friends, people we knew. But there were two names that we never really heard. Um, and duty is like that. A lot of times you do what you're supposed to do and nobody hears your name. Um, but those two, those two people were Master Sergeant Gary Gordon and Sergeant First Class Randall Shugart. Shugart and Gordon were Special Forces snipers. Um, they, were, um, they were safely out of the firefight. They were either back at the base or in the helicopter, I'm not sure where, but they, they were out of danger. Uh, they heard that they, the pilots were down. They requested permission to go um, protect the pilot. Permission denied. They requested again, permission denied. After the third time, uh, the command finally relented and said, okay, go see what you can do. So they were inserted. They fought their way to the helicopter, um, protected those pilots, and, and were able to save the life of a pilot, um, but at the cost of their own. Shugart Gordon understood duty, and they gave their lives for it. Um, in Colossians, Paul tells us that everything we do should be done with all of our heart. Uh, Colossians 3.23, or 20, actually 22 and 23. Uh, and this is from the, um, the Passion Translation. He says, let every employee listen well and follow the instructions of their employer, not just when their employers are watching, and not in pretense, but faithful in all things. For we are to live our lives with pure hearts in the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Um, but Jesus gives us the greatest example of duty. Just prior to his arrest, uh, you've, you've probably heard the story, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to plead with his father. Um, Jesus knew what he was supposed to do. He knew what his mission was. He knew what his obligations were. And he also knew um, how bad it was going to be. He knew how he would suffer. Uh, in Luke 22, uh, verse 44, it tells us that he prayed even more passionately like one being sacrificed until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. 
Um, But Jesus chose to continue the mission. He fulfilled his obligation. His prayer in verse 42 was, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of agony away from me. But no matter what, your will must be mine. That prayer defined duty. Jesus defined duty. Yeah. Our next value is respect. And I can't remember if I've said this, but every one of these values, they're biblical values that we need to adopt, that Jesus um, illustrates. Now, respect, in the way the army defines is treating people as they should be treated. How should people be treated? Sometimes people think people aren't worth a certain amount, or they, and they treat them like dirt. And, but the way people should be treated is the way Jesus treated people with utmost respect, with highest esteem. And this is just a, a definition. I'm not going to read through it all, but treating people with admiration, honoring them, exhibiting care, concern, and consideration for their needs and feelings. Um, Jesus treated every single human being as priceless, willing to give his life for him. In fact, he placed a value on every life as, as the as being worthy of his sacrifice, respect. Therefore, we treat everyone with highest honor and value, no matter what. It's another word for saying that we truly love people. So this is, it's respect. At Arlington Cemetery, I remember these signs when I went there the first time, silence and respect. Um, give admiration and, and dignity and value to what the people that are, that are there in that cemetery have done. Jesus gives an incredible um, illustration of respect when it said, he says, I have, the spirit constrained me to go to Samaria. The Samaritan people, most Jews would walk way around. They wouldn't go through it. They were considered um, ethnically inferior. They were considered um, religiously inferior. And, and a Jewish man would pray daily, Lord, thank you that I'm not a Samaritan. And he'd say, thank you that I'm not a woman. But Jesus went to Samaria. He went to the Sychar and he went to a well. He was waiting for his disciples. He was the only one there. And a woman came in the middle of the day, which meant that she was already an outcast. She didn't go when the other women went. She was already an outcast among these women. But Jesus spoke to her, which a Jewish man wouldn't do, and asked her for a drink of water, wanting to drink from her cup, wanting to drink from her um, uh, uh, from her bucket, and, and she says, why do you, a Jewish man, speak to me, a Samaritan woman? He, he was treating her with love and respect, with value, and he said, well, if you knew who I was, the one who's asking you for a drink, you would have asked me for a drink, and I would have given you living water. He says, I would have given you my very self. I would have given you uh, the power and the presence of, of the Holy Spirit. And they, they have this religious conversation. You can go back and read it in John 4 yourself. Um, when he said, go uh, tell your husband and, and bring him here. And she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you, you said, you answered honestly. For you've had five husbands and the one that you're with now is not your husband. Again, a, a reason for shame on this person's life. But Jesus says, I'm not going to treat you with shame. I'm not going to treat you with condemnation. I'm going to treat you with honor and value and call you to a whole new life. And the, um, the disciples come back and the, the woman leaves. The disciples don't even say anything about her. But she goes back into the village because she has encountered this Jesus And she says to all the villagers who had shunned her, who looked down upon her, said, come and hear this man who's told me everything about my life. Could he be 
the Messiah. And so they come and they hear and Jesus sees them. He says to his disciples, look, the, the fields are white as harvest. And they came and he taught them and he did miracles and signs and wonders. And then they turned to the lady who, who he had elevated to be the first witness for him in that community. And they said to her, before, um, you know, we, we didn't believe, we just came because of what you said. But now we've heard and experienced for ourselves that this Jesus is the Messiah, and we believe that. Jesus transforms lives because he treats people um, with highest honor and value. He puts a value on their life and on your life as priceless, and he wants us to treat each person with that kind of respect. Selfless service is our next trait. Uh, simply put, is putting the welfare of the nation, the army, subordinates, before your own, putting others first. Um, General Omar Bradley said, the world today needs men who think in terms of service to their country and not in terms of their country's debt um, to them. Uh, Audie Murphy, you might have heard of him, uh, was awarded the Medal of Honor and was the most decorated soldier of World War II. Marine. Are, so, are Marines not soldiers? Not really. Hoorah. <laughs> we had some Marines who would take a little <laughs> exception to that out there. <laughs> Is it hoorah or hua? Uh, it's Hua. Come on. Well, um, Audie Murphy is quoted as saying, you have comradeship, a rapport that you'll never have again. There's no competitiveness, no money values. You trust the man on your left and on your right with your life. Um, you can't have that trust with your life if there's not selfless service. Um, in his teaching on the Good Samaritan, from Luke 10, uh, 25 through 37, Jesus tells us that the priest and the Levite, who actually had a duty to care for people, passed by the injured man. The Samaritan, um, who was looked down on by the people of the region, probably even by the man he was helping, stopped to help. He not only bandaged his wounds, but then he went the extra mile to make sure that the man was cared for. Jesus not only taught us um, about this using the analogy of the Good Samaritan, but Jesus was the embodiment of the Good Samaritan, bandaging our wounds and caring uh, for us. Jesus gives us a great example of selfless service as he appeared before Pilate uh, in Luke chapters 22 and 23, uh, before Pilate and before Herod. Jesus had done nothing wrong. Um, he could have argued his case. He could have protested his innocence. He could have hired lawyers and fought it. Um, he could have protested his treatment. He could have called on the angel armies uh, to come and save him. That was well within his power. He chose to stay the course. He chose to complete his mission. He chose to put his mission above his own personal welfare he chose to put his mission uh, before his health, before his comfort. 
He chose to put his mission before himself, and he chose to put us before himself. That is the definition of selfless service. The H in leadership is for honor. According to the U.S. Army Field Manual, it's live up um, to all of the Army values. Honor is when we walk out the values that we profess. Anyone can say they have loyalty and respect. Honor is when their every action reflects those values. They not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk. Stonewall Jackson, and if you're a good Southerner, you should know who Stonewall Jackson was, um, said, what is life without honor? Degradation is worse than death. Um, Jesus lived a life of honor. In the book of Hebrews, um, we're told that Jesus lived that life of honor. While, while there were many who could follow the law, there were many who did follow the law. They didn't really embody the values that went with the law. They kept the law to the T, but they didn't keep those values. Jesus, on the other hand, did. Um, from Luke, Hebrews 10, uh, verses 5, 6, and 7, says, when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you've clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. Jesus lived a life of honor. And hand in hand with honor is integrity. When something has integrity, it's the same all the way through. What you see on the outside is the same as what's on the inside. Having integrity means we do what's right regardless of what other people expect from us. When I say racism is wrong, yet I treat people differently because of their race, or I simply tolerate racist jokes, then I'm not living with integrity. When I say family time is important, but at dinner time I've got my phone on the table, I'm not living with integrity. Integrity means my values, my feelings, and my actions are all aligned. Um, the U.S. Army says do what's right, legally and morally. We expand that just a little. Uh, General Lawton Collins, chief of staff of the U.S. Army during the Korean War, said the American people rightly look to their military leaders not only be, to be skilled in the technical aspects of the profession of arms, but also to be men of integrity. Uh, one of those men, uh, you may have heard of Sergeant York. Um, he wasn't always sergeant. He started out as a private. Um, private Alvin York, you might not know, was a conscientious objector. Private York uh, was drafted for World War I. He went to his company commander and said, as I'm a draftee, I know I'm obligated to serve and serve I will. Um, but I, have, I cannot morally um, kill someone. I don't believe in that. Uh, his company commander took him to his battalion commander who was Christian. 
Uh, he and the battalion commander spent time together studying the word. The battalion commander sent Private York home uh, for two weeks. Said, I want you to do some soul searching. I want you to pray. At the end of two weeks, come back. If you can't reconcile um, this, then I will release you. But come back. Private York came back two weeks later. He had been able uh, to work through that in his mind with the Lord. Um, and the rest is history. In the Argonne Forest, um, corp now Corporal York took what was left of a platoon, uh, 16 men. He took 132 prisoners and put 35 machine guns out of action. Uh, so uh, it was in line with his values and he was able to work through that. Jesus also lived with integrity. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, we read of Jesus being rejected in his own hometown. Jesus stood in his hometown synagogue, read from the scroll, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to, to preach to the prisoners, you are set free. Jesus could have given him a miracle. That's really what they wanted. Uh, this was hometown boy comes back, makes good. Uh, they wanted to see a show. Um, but that wasn't Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission was to preach to the prisoners, you are set free. Uh, it angered the people that he wouldn't put on a show. He could have put on that show. He could have given them what he wanted. Um, they were so angry they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Jesus didn't take the easy route. He didn't give them what they were expecting. He gave them uh, him. He didn't courtesy laugh at their ethnic humor. He spoke and lived his conviction. Jesus lived with integrity. Amen. I'm going to share our last value, which is personal courage, which Jesus also lived in. I'm going to ask our praise team to go ahead and come up and start playing. I want to pull this together. Um, personal courage is facing fear, danger, or adversity. Um, Jesus came with integrity doing what the Father had sent him to do. And it wasn't just to save the Jewish people because God had raised up the Jewish people to be a light to the nations. And one of the reasons that his hometown there wanted to throw him off the cliff is because he, he told stories about God having mercy and saving and helping um, people that were not Jewish. They were from other ethnicities, other nations, and they got angry about that in their own self-centeredness because they didn't understand the heart of God. So he had incredible courage knowing that they were going to want to kill him, and yet he, uh, he escaped. He had incredible personal courage, facing fear, danger, adversity, whether it's moral courage or physical courage. The uh, former sergeant major of the army, William Connolly, said, personal courage does not always mean being tough as nails. It suggests a willingness to listen to a soldier's problems, to go to bat for them in a tough situation. It means knowing just how far they can go. It also means being willing to tell the boss when he's wrong. And I'm thankful for those that have stood up to me at different times that, hey, I don't think this is helpful or you're wrong in this particular area. One of the most amazing um, stories that you've probably never heard of personal courage in the military was Warrant Officer Hugh Thompson. 
On March 16th, 1968, he was the, uh, a fairly young helicopter pilot and he was flying over the village of Milai and he saw what he thought were American soldiers firing upon the villagers, upon civilians. He landed and he questioned a young lieutenant about it and he said, what's happening on the ground is none of your concern. He took his helicopter up, he circled again, and he saw some American soldiers going after some villagers in a particular area, and he landed in between the villagers um, and the American soldiers. He had his machine gunner to train the machine gun to, to point it at the American soldiers and told them to stop. He coaxed 10 of the villagers out of the, um, the woods and got them to get on his a helicopter carried them to safety and his reporting of this event um, brought about the ceasefire um, and prevented the massacre of even more civilians in that particular case. That's incredible personal courage to step in and when, when your own rep, when people are gonna think you're a traitor even or what are you doing to confront others who may have not been doing the right thing. Personal courage, no matter what. We see Jesus' personal courage when he stood up to the religious leaders of his day, even in the temple, because they had put um, the money changers and people buying and selling, and they had filled the courtyard of the Gentiles, the people from other nations. They weren't allowed to pray in that area because it was filled with, with this activity going on there. And it says that he was angered, he, he braided a whip, he drove the people out. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Um, he said, zeal for my house will consume me. Tremendous courage. He knew that that would get the religious leaders angry at him. And in only a few days, they would be crucifying Jesus. We see his personal courage to face the humiliation and the scourging and the crucifixion that he faced when he took upon himself the burden of all of our sin. I cannot imagine the sin of the whole world and all of history, um, the punishment for all of our crimes against God, ourselves, and others. He took upon himself. And then the horror for the first time of being separated from the Father because he had taken our sins upon himself. That is incredible personal courage. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 15 that he died for all. And this, this verse hit me right between the eyes as a, as a new Christian. He died for all so that those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who died from them and rose again. So I just want to ask you today, who are you living for? What values are you living by? He died so that those of us who now live will no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us on our behalf, taking the penalty we deserve for our crimes, that we'd now live for him. I want to challenge you today to say yes to Jesus. Say, Lord, I will live for you from here on out. That, 
passage goes on in verse 21 to say, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, so we might be forgiven, cleansed, delivered from all evil, delivered from all addictions, delivered from all past condemnation, made the righteousness of God, adopted as his own sons and daughters, given eternal life, given the presence and power of the Holy Spirit right now. And so that's why I love this passage. I quote so many times from Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. All of these values Jesus lived out and this personal courage that he had in facing the cross was because he saw beyond it the joy of you being forgiven given, of you being adopted, you being born again, you being set free from all of the, the crushing and, and, and destructive forces of sin and to set you free to become who he created you to be, for you to know who you are in him, for you to become a new creation in him, for the old to be passed away and the new to become, for you, God, wow. God is calling somebody to the ministry today. And he's saying today, you didn't think that I could use you. You didn't think that because of your past sins and your background and your past mistakes that, that I could use you in ministry. And I don't know what that ministry is going to be. I don't know what that is, but God just, that was out of nowhere, is saying, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross so that you can fulfill the calling and ministry that he's put upon your heart. Again, I don't know what that ministry is, but that's somebody here today. That's somebody here today that he wants you to say yes to him because he's paid the price living out these values we've talked about today so that you can enjoy that freedom and that the joy of being in him and filled with the Holy Spirit and called and equipped. Jesus lived out all these values. I love that right in the middle, selfless service. That's who Jesus was. Um, greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. So what are you gonna do with that? If you're a believer, just say, Lord, let me follow you so that I can lead like you in the ways that you lived out. But as I challenged the, the, the ROTC cadets, just as you st stood up and you take your oath of office, you take your oath of, of, of serving in the military, and um, Chloe, you did that this, this week, I solemnly swear, you know, state your name to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, being willing to give your own, your very life for that. As we've sworn that loyalty to our country, um, would you swear your loyalty to the one who's above any president, above any prime minister, above any earthly king, who is king of kings and lord of lords? You want to know life. You want to know transformation. You want to know power. You want to know love and joy and peace. Say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I swear my loyalty to you, Savior and Lord of my life. I give myself to you. And then, as you surrender, you receive. As you empty yourself of yourself, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit to live out the life he's 
called you and created you to live. And I will tell you, there's no greater joy. There's no greater fulfillment. Um, there's no greater power than living that out in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we close, I'm going to invite you um, to say yes. I'm going to invite our prayer ministers. Would you, would you guys, everybody stand if you don't mind. We're, we're wrapping this up. I'm going to ask you to, um, to come to Jesus. Again, Lord, I give myself to you. If I'm the business community, if I'm whatever I'm doing, I want to lead like you. If you're already following him, then say, Lord, I want to lead like you. But what I especially want those to say, God, I, I swear my loyalty. I will be a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm thinking about that old gospel song. I'll be a soldier in the army of the Lord. I will live for him. My loyalty will be for him. I will live and die for you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of my life. And Lord, I, I need the Holy Spirit to do that. So baptize me in the power of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room right now, especially, especially that one, maybe two that, um, God, they're wrestling with a call to ministry. And Lord, the enemy has just been lying, lying like the devil, because it is the devil. That God can't use you. You're, you're mishearing. You're, you've messed up so much. You come from such a horrible background, or you've done this or that. And the Lord's saying, hey, I am I'm lifting you up out of the miry clay. I am cleansing you. I'm making you a whole new person. And, and, and all of your weaknesses and struggles, that's where I'm going to show myself strong and mighty. I'm going to be glorified. My light's going to shine through all the cracks. Um, I can use you like nobody else. So say yes to me. So the Lord's saying, say yes to me in that call. And if that's you, I, I pray you'd let me or one of our prayer ministers know that. For all of us, Lord Jesus, I swear my loyalty to you. This is getting born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you come to him today and give your life to him in Jesus' name. Amen.